Hello and welcome to the Great Lakes Sports Network Michigan State Podcast. I am Tyler Hayward. Be sure to check us out on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And you can also like the Facebook page. Um, some good stuff coming this week. Ryan and Mike actually get to talk about a Detroit Lions win. We'll see how uh, they feel as the Detroit Lions are 500, which is, uh, <laughs> look, it's something that you don't always uh, anticipate coming, but uh, look, that offense looks good. Michigan State's offense looks good. Michigan State's defense, on the other hand, uh, not so much. So uh, let's go ahead and let's try to digest what we saw on Saturday without throwing it up. And look, there's there's actually some positives. We'll talk about those in a second. But we are going to start off with the negatives. And when you start off with the negatives, you need to start off with, well, how the game started. And that's Jarek Broussard. <laughs> look, over the last couple of weeks, he's been really good at, you know, keeping his legs moving. He's very shifty, very small. Um, former offensive player of the year in the Pac-12 when he played at Colorado under Tucker. Look, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that he deserved uh, the extensive reps at the beginning of the game that he got. At the same time, it's Elijah Collins' turn. Put Jarek Broussard on the bench. You can, you can still give him some run. You, you can still do like a three-headed monster at running back. Uh, Madre London, Gerald Holmes, LJ Scott type stuff. That, that's what you got to do. Elijah Collins has looked good. He looks like he's earned it. He stayed. He's earned it in that regard. Jarek Broussard trying to cut on his inside foot. Uh, going the wrong way when Peyton Thorne was trying to give him the ball on a zone off to the left. The offensive line got the play call. Broussard goes the wrong way on the third down and kills that drive. Um, you know, and then Michigan State gets a great goal line stand and he falls in the end zone. All of a sudden, it's 9 nothing. You're kicking the ball off to a Washington offense that you can't slow down. And so, look, Broussard, you had your chance. Jalen Berger's the starter. Elijah Collins is number two. That's how it should be from now on. You know, if things change, just Collins has a couple bad games or whatever, then you can throw it back. Um, but you, you can't you can't continue to play Broussard as much as you would have liked at the beginning of the season. He was completely awful in that game. He provided nothing against a quality team. You know, you can say what you want, Washington, not quality. And Tyler, I thought you said the Pac-12 sucks. Yeah, well, Oregon's okay. Washington's one of those okay schools. They're a good football team. And like I said uh, last week, two weeks ago, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of potential parity in college football in general and in the Big Ten. Um, there's opportunities, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But right now, Elijah Collins should be running back too. Jarek Broussard played awful, and he shouldn't have even been in on that uh, after that goal line stop because <laughs> of uh, 
what he did on that first possession. You, you can't you can't play Jared Broussard that much anymore. Elijah Collins has earned a couple of those reps at least, so we'll we'll see how uh, that unfolds. Uh, as far as everything else goes, like I said, Jared Broussard handed it over to a Washington defense that or a Washington offense that couldn't be stopped. And look, I, I mean, what hasn't been said about Scotty Hazelton over the last few days? This, that was just a pathetic showing. Um, you know, I talked a couple weeks ago that, hey, Michigan State's closing in on uh, the receivers quicker on the short yardage plays, but now they're giving stuff up. Washington came out with a game plan to attack Chester Kimbrough. The same same game plan uh, WMU came out with, and look, Western has a quality receiver. Western has a very good receiver, and they wanted to isolate him on Kimbrough and take advantage of that, and it didn't work. Um, Washington went out there and tried to do the exact same thing with their best receiver, and they butchered him early on. Um, I think Kimbrough still deserves another shot. He's played well the last two games. Uh, but but this is a situation that I'm about a game away from throwing uh, throwing Ch- Chester Kimbrough on the Jarek Broussard train. Um, I Justin White's pl- Justin White played well at the end of the game, so that's something to keep an eye on as well as far as the rotation goes. But look, you're trying to run a four-two-five, so these linebackers have a lot of ground to cover. Cal Halliday can't do it. Cal Halliday would be a great Mike linebacker in a 4-3. And a 3-4. He's not, because you can probably roll out another linebacker in the coverage if you need to, but he's terrible in pass coverage. He sat there, and there was that there was some ball that went on the short corner of the end zone on the right-hand side if you're Washington, and Halliday thought he uh, ran the receiver out of his route, and he just stared at the receiver while the ball was delivered to him. That's unacceptable. It's 100% unacceptable. You can't do that. And when you lose a guy like Darius Snow who can play in coverage and can, well, he can do everything, that hurts you as well. As much as Washington went out and they targeted Chester Kimbrough, they targeted the linebackers for Michigan State. It's unacceptable. I had to hear all offseason, oh, we can finally run multiple, we can run 4-3, blah, blah, blah. And we're out here in uh, NFL style... We're, we're out here in an NFL style defense with mediocre to good college football players, not NFL guys. I think I I think the talent's there for this Michigan State secondary. I think the way they're being taught to play that 4-2-5 I think that's the problem. Ronald Williams and Chuck Brantley are good corners, not great. Might be closer to mediocre or decent but they're not bad 
and Ronald Williams and Brantley have both tightened up their coverage over last season, but Amir Speed, new to the system, just like Brantley and Williams were last year, giving up tons of coverage, tons of cushion. This is a 4-2-5 issue. This isn't a player issue. At least I don't think it is. Kendall Brooks is a good safety. Forget missing Xavier Henderson. I think Kendall Brooks might be better. I'm not high on Henderson, and y'all know that. Angelo Gross was MIA. He's got the ability to fly around the field, though, if you give him room. This is a systematic issue. This is an issue with the scheme. I I don't get it. I don't get why we think it's going to work all of a sudden. It didn't work two years ago against Michael Penix. It's a travesty that they're still running it with these kids. Yeah, it's pro style. Guess what? Darquez Denard isn't there. You know, I got these, uh, when I was coaching freshman ball last year, I had the kids ask me, they were like, hey, coach, can we run what JV and Varsity run? Can we run a Spurs offense? And I sat there, I looked at them, and I told them straight in the face, no. Well, why not? I was like, how many plays do we have? Like, how many straight-up plays do we have on offense going against man-to-man and they were like five and I was like how many do you know kid goes five I was like how many does he know and I pointed to another one of our players who didn't study the playbook in fact I found his playbook on the scorers table by the opposite bench once But I was like, how many does he know? And he goes, I don't know. And I asked him, I was like, how many do you know? And he goes, two. That's why we don't run the Spurs stuff, because we didn't have the talent to do it. We didn't have the people willing to do it. Michigan State doesn't have guys capable of handling a 4 2 5. You've got to change it. You can't change it in the middle of the season, though. That's a problem. You can change your defensive coordinator at the end of the season. That's a bright side. So, that that's where I'm at with it. Scotty Hazleton's got to go. The 4-2-5 doesn't work. You're a Big 12 coach. Well, excuse me, man. It's just those Big 12 defenses just asserting their dominance over college football. It's a clown show. In theory, it should work. In theory, that scheme should work. You know, the game's more spread out. A lot of teams run, at very least, three, four wide. Ideally, it should work. But when you don't have the linebackers to do it, to cover all that space in the middle, when you don't have the defensive backs to run the system, it's not going to work. You don't have to look any further than Saturday to prove it. You don't have to look any further than last year to prove it. 
it's a joke. And you know what? Jay Johnson is every bit as culpable as Scotty Hazelton is. Third and three on multiple occasions. Running the ball. Third and seven. Running the ball because guess what? Oh, I get to pass on the next one. He did this last year too. And this this was something that concerned me heading into this season. Is he ran the ball in situations you should throw it. Statistically speaking, whatever it may be. You want to use metrics? You should throw it. And he doesn't do that. He didn't do it last year, and he got bailed out by Kenneth Walker. Now, I'm not going to be one of those idiots who sit there and say, Oh, Kenneth Walker was irreplaceable. Uh, Michigan State can't, between multiple backs and their receivers, replace them, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to be one of those idiots because that's a lazy take. Kenneth Walker was special. Kenneth Walker may man-to-man be irreplaceable. But you've got to replace these talents every once in a while. Michigan State had to replace Plaxico Burris. Michigan State has to replace Jalen Naylor. And guess what? Keon Coleman looked pretty freaking good. You have to replace people. That's the way college athletics work. You have to replace people every at least three years. With the transfer portal, probably more than that. You can replace Kenneth Walker. You cannot call plays like you did with Kenneth Walker. And that's a big difference. And Jay Johnson had... I mean, look, like I said, he got bailed out with a couple of situations last year. Third and four, wildcat formation. We never did anything fancy with Kenneth Walker. But third and four every year, he'd just run it, and Kenneth Walker would get the first down because that's how special Kenneth Walker was. Now, we haven't seen like a wildcat with Broussard or Berger or Collins or anything like that, and I don't expect to because, again, that's how special Kenneth Walker was. At the same time, you can't run the ball in those situations and then force your quarterback into a fourth and one or fourth and two, fourth and four, whatever it may be. You can't put your quarterback in these bad situations. You know, it was an issue with Dan Roshar when he was at Michigan State would repeatedly put Connor Cook in third and seven, third and fives, third and longs. Because the second and nine, oh, well, if I run the ball and if we get close enough, then we can run or throw and blah, blah, blah. And that's what Jay Johnson's trying to do, and it doesn't freaking work. Not without K-9. And you sat there and you tried to run repeatedly on a team who has a good interior line against your mediocre offensive line even though they were just absolutely terrible on Saturday they do have moments and so let's not completely shut them down after one game Washington's got a good front seven 
And you sat there and you kept trying to run on them when they were selling out to stop the run. Washington's coach, DeBauer, said after the game, we wanted to see if Peyton Thorne could beat us. And guess what? He would have. If Jay Johnson gave him the chance. Especially early on. But he didn't do it. And Michigan State now is staring at, you know, a battle to try to hit the 10-win mark. Because that's the expectation. No one expected this team to go undefeated. So, you know, what? excuse me if I think a loss on the West Coast against a quality opponent isn't a... You know, it's not going to ruin my life. It's not going to ruin Michigan State's season. I'll explain a little bit more about that later, but... You didn't give Peyton Thorne the opportunity, and look, there was a look on Peyton Thorne's face that I have not seen in his time at Michigan State. He was flat-out angry. And you saw it when players got stuffed on the run. You saw it when uh, he was getting hit. You saw it when it was... I don't know what it was. It was third and ten or something like that. He's running. It looks like he's only going to get seven yards. And uh, he drops his shoulder. His left shoulder, thankfully. But he drops his shoulder and tries to bull over a Washington defensive back. He played angry. You know, I keep thinking of that scene. And All right, look. I've got some sins to confess. I have not seen the original Longest Yard. I've seen the new one with Adam Sandler. <laughs> but I keep thinking of that scene where Adam Sandler just breaks the huddle, walks through his line, and is just like, you know what, I'm going to take it from here because the offensive line was just letting defenders go by to try to crush him after uh, they figured out he was fixing the game. Spoiler alert. But I keep thinking of that scene where he just is like, you know what, forget you guys, I'm going to do this by myself. And that's what Peyton Thorne was doing. And I loved it. And everybody who sat there and dogged Peyton Thorne and had doubts and all that other stuff about him over uh, his play the last two weeks, you owe him an apology. And if you still think Peyton Thorne's the issue, and I've seen a little bit of that, stop watching football altogether. Stop rooting for this team because you don't deserve a quarterback like this. He was fantastic last year. So what? He had two bad games where he couldn't connect with Keon Coleman. He was 80% thrown to everybody else. Guess what? He can connect to Keon Coleman now. I don't know if you watched Saturday night. So there, problem solved. Oh, well, he threw an interception. Yeah, because he had to do everything. I'm sick of it, man. These Michigan State fans... Sometimes. I'm not going to sit there and pin this on everybody. Because there are reasonable ones. But there is a very vocal minority. That just absolutely suck to have around. You don't deserve Peyton Thorne. You didn't deserve K-9 last year. Because you think he's that irreplaceable guy. And he was, like I said, he was to an extent, but he's replaceable. You have to do this in college. If you don't do it in college, you're not going to be successful.
Peyton Dorn is special. And any anybody who wants to sit there and try to convince me otherwise and say that he's partly responsible for the law. He was 10 of his first 11. Jay Johnson was putting him in the bad situations. That's not on Peyton Thorne. It's probably the geniuses that think Connor Cook was overrated. Because he was put in bad situations repeatedly. The bottom line is, I like what I see from Peyton Thorne. And when you sit there and you factor everything together in regard to what we saw in that game, I'm a firm believer, styles make fights. Guess what? Michigan State's schedule, they can still do everything that they want to do. Okay, let me rephrase that. They can still do what logical Michigan State fans could have expected them to do. There's one unbeatable team in the Big Ten. One. Maybe two on Michigan State's schedule. But we won't know until uh, that second team stops playing Celine and Ann Arbor Pioneer. And the Derek Zoolander Center for kids who can't read good and want to do other good stuff too or whatever that freaking quote was. Ohio State's the only team that should, that Michigan State's not going to be able to beat. Everybody else is beatable. Nobody else has a front seven like Washington and an offense like Washington. Michigan State plays Maryland in a couple of weeks. They got a quarterback. They got the offense kind of like Washington. But baby Tua struggled last year against the system. And they don't have the defense like Washington. I'm not talking Washington up to be some world beater. But Michigan State can still easily go 9-3 and with an opportunity to win the 10th game in the bowl. And that's ultimately what the expectation was this year. For every bit of uh, last year was a fluke. Ten wins, nine wins with an opportunity for a tenth in a bowl game is the next step, and Michigan State can definitely do it. And so I'm excited to see what this team can do moving forward. Still, I'm excited to see what Jay Johnson's going to do, knowing you can put the offense in the hands of Peyton Thorne, let him go to work, and be every bit the quarterback that everybody thinks he's going to be. Because the reasonable fans that I speak to, the ones that I talk to on the regular, is going to be at least the third best quarterback in school history. Might be better than that. And with everything that, like I said, with everything that is going on as far as uh, the schedule goes and what lies ahead for Michigan State? They can still win a couple of games. We'll talk about one of them later this week as the Spartans uh, take the boat rowers to the deep end on Saturday, Minnesota coming to town. We'll talk about that, like I said, later this week. But Peyton Thorne, this offense, special. It just is. And they can score with anybody. They got to be given the opportunity 
And that opportunity is on Jay Johnson. That opportunity is on Jarek Broussard not being an idiot. Oh, and uh, Jaden Reed gets to come back too at some point. And uh, we'll probably, given uh, how his status appeared to be up in the air throughout the course of uh, last week, we'll probably see him this Saturday, I would guess. So I'm looking forward to it. Look, you can have one loss in the non-conference against a quality opponent and still have a lot of your goals in front of you. Like I said, this isn't a team that's going to beat Ohio State. They're not going to. They're going to get run over just like they did last year. Take Ohio State, lay the points. Whatever that is, whenever that comes out, take Ohio State, lay the points. That said, everybody else is beatable right now. There may be, like I said, there may be one other exception, but we won't know that for another couple weeks. And unfortunately, I don't think they play, they play anybody until Michigan State goes there. So, we'll break all that down as it comes up. Like I said, Minnesota coming up. We'll be sure to cover them. Uh, the boat rowers in the deep end should be a good matchup. Uh, look, and ultimately... Michigan State's got a shot, and I'll explain why I think uh, Michigan State could uh, win that game handily, but uh, like I said, we'll talk about that later this week. Now, thank you all for for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment. Uh, Like the Facebook page, Great Lakes Sports Network Facebook page, and subscribe to the Great Lakes Sports Network Michigan State Podcast on Anchor, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. You know, we really appreciate the love. Uh, comment on it. Let me let me know your thoughts. You know, do you think Michigan State still has an opportunity? And don't be one of those people who just sit there and say, oh, no, they suck. You know, give me a legitimate reason. Give me a football reason why. This is what we do. We don't sit there and do this generic radio talk that, you know, you can get from a lot of local media sources that you get from the national ones and just that recycled garbage talking points that you always hear. You know, give me legitimate football reasons why. Oh, well, the 425 doesn't work. You even said it. Well, yeah, but you can also outscore people too. So let, let me know why you think maybe they can't do it. But I'll tell you what, that's not on the shoulder of Peyton Thorne. But, uh, Like I said, that does it for us today. I'm Tyler Hayward. This is the Great Lakes Sports Network, Michigan State Podcast.